Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. We're in our series, King of Hearts. We're talking about David. David has just realized uh, the power, the anointing on his life. He's living in the palace. He's married to the king's daughter. His king's son is his best friend. Songs are written about him. They're singing about him everywhere. But Saul gets jealous. And suddenly he's being chased around the countryside. He goes over to the Philistines. He ends up in a cave. But you know, in that cave, in that that place there's being forged the character of a king so come on with us and learn what it is to lay hold of the promises of God with faith and patience come on let's get right into the word wowzers hey I'm gonna I'm gonna try and fly through this pretty quick it just seems every week it's uh I I, I got something I want to share and it seems it just keeps getting interrupted but that's okay it's all right but wowzers you know Jesus it's uh you know, we don't beg for his presence to come. He's here. We don't beg, and we're not trying to, you know, drum up the presence of God. But, you know, when we gather like this, he's here. We're not trying to make his presence come. We're acknowledging that he's here. And he's here in a big, big way. In Jesus' name. Uh, we're doing a, a series of sermons on faith. And my wife uh, preached on David and Goliath last week. So I heard Pastor Cheryl did an okay job. So, so. So that was pretty good. I said, man, in this series, Cheryl, you get to preach on David. Thank you. You get to preach on David and Goliath. It's hard to screw that one up, you know. But <laughs> no, she's the best. I love my wife. Honestly, any real significant revelation I've received in my life, the Holy Spirit has used Cheryl to give it to me. It's true. I tell you, I, you know, that was a really cool nugget. And, and uh, we've been able to unpack. We just finished a song. It talked about we are seated. We're seated with him. You know that? Amen. Where are you seated right now? Where are you seated? We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Isn't that great? You know, you choose your chair. I tell you, choose, choose what the Lord says. Choose this. You are seated with him in heavenly places. Far too often we don't get it. We think the, the natural realm, we're so tied to it, we don't understand. And we're seated with him in heavenly realms, and the heavenly realms are activated in a big, big way. Ephesians 2, 4 to 6 says, But God, who was rich in mercy, and because of his great love with which he loved us, because of this ridiculous great love, he says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. He made us alive. He raised us up together. Say together. This is us. He didn't raise you. He raised us. The usness of God raised the usness of us, and we are in an us relationship with the us God. It, it's a beautiful thing. The whole thing is community everywhere. He raised us up, and he made us sit together. He made us. He made us. He made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I love that, don't you? Amen. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's my view. That's my perspective. That's where I am. I am above it all, reigning and ruling in every circumstance and situation. I am seated enthroned with Jesus Christ himself. I have joint seating in the throne of grace, and I rule over every circumstance with his power, his authority, his glory, his grace. Wow. Wow. Romans 5, 17, for by one man's offense, death reigned through the one much more. Say much more. No, say much more. Like you look at what death is doing. You look at what sin is doing. You look at what the fall of Adam has caused throughout the world. It's ridiculous when you look at the poverty, the, the anger, the hatred, the frustration. You look at what sin is doing, but here's what God says, much more. 
much more. I mean, if that's powerful, what is working in and through you is much more powerful than that. Much more. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you're receiving this. It's not something you earn. It's not something you qualify for. Who receive the abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness, they will reign in the sweet by and by. No, they will reign in life. I am seated with him. I'm reigning, ruling with him. I am reigning right now in life. I am in a place of power. I am a place of authority. I'm a place where the much more of God is being expressed in and through my life everywhere I go. Hallelujah. The much more. How is it? What's it through? It's through my obedience. It's through my faithfulness. No, it's through the one Jesus Christ. It is a gift of righteousness. It is the abundance of his grace. Hebrews 6, 11, and 12 says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Say diligence. I want you to show diligence until the end. Don't become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. I'm talking about the heart of patience today. Because you need a heart of patience. If we're going to walk and we're going to be those kings of the king and walk and manifest reigning in authority, you're going to need some patience on this journey. And boy, didn't I run into the biggest train ever trying to get to church today. I literally was the first one that dropped right before me. I'm right there. And don't you love it when the train pulls ahead, backs up, moves, and then stops on the track again? I literally started honking my horn. I knew there was a, a CN worker somewhere, and I'm like, dude! Get this thing out of my way. Honking at train cars, you know, man. And then I went, and I'm preaching on patience today. <laughs> Mercy. Get this. You know, patience isn't sit back and wait. Patience is constant perseverance. I'm going somewhere. Get this stinking thing out of here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Look what it says. It says, imitate those who through faith and patience... How do you inherit the promises? It's the power twins of faith and constant endurance. I will not be moved. I will not be hindered. I am not going to back up. I am going to lay hold of this through faith and patience. The, all our forefathers, they, they laid hold of it. Those who laid hold of the promise did it through faith and patience. Galatians 6 verse 9, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, somebody say due season. Tell you, we're in a due season right now. We're in a due season right now. We're in a due season. Cheryl told me about the testimonies of these ladies yesterday, made me want to go to women's breakfast. Because those stories were ridiculous. People being totally set free. Uh, people who, who were so anxious, just trying to get through life, taking medication just to approach every day, being totally set free. I mean, my goodness. I'm like, there are so many stories of triumph in this place. So many stories of victory. We're not just trying to cope with this mess and God, get us out of here. We are here to take over. We are here to reign and rule today. We are here to influence every sphere of this world with the goodness and the glory of God. It's due season. We shall reap if we do not lose heart. You know, the space between the anointing and the appointing, it can be difficult. David was anointed as a teenager at his dad's house. His dad brought all the boys, and then he said, is there another one? They say, yeah, there's another one. I'm not even sure if it's mine, though. Get the kid from the field. And they all had to wait. All seven sons stood there, rejected by God, until the boy came, and the Lord said the same thing, arise and anoint him. And he was already standing. Stir yourself up. This is the selection of God. 
arise. And David was anointed, but between the anointing and the appointing, between the anointing, he they had three anointings in his life, and after that first anointing, a lot of interesting things happened. But David had to learn to endure before he realized the promise of God in his life. So in the space between, we're not going to quit. We are determined. My heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. It is established. 1 Samuel 18, we just see David kills Goliath. Yay! Come on, say yay! Woo! Glory to God, we're excited. So it says now, these first seven verses, now, right after that, say David comes with the head of Goliath. Here you go, Saul. Oh man, what an amazing historical event that was. But you see, now at that time, Saul said, that's it. You're not going home to dad. You're not going back to the sheep. You're going to stay here in the palace. You're going to stay here in the castle. You're going to stay with me. And not only that, it says that he, he said that then Jonathan, who would have been the next in line for the throne, but Jonathan knew that David was called to be the king. And, and David gave him his, Jonathan gave him his robes. He gave him his belt. He gave him his, his sword. He said, he said, I will serve you. Isn't that amazing? I want to see Jonathan when I get to heaven because here's a guy who in the natural should have been next in line but he was willing to push all that aside and submit to God's choice and I just love somebody like that don't you and I was just like wow and he wanted to he said I love David he he knit himself to David he made a covenant with David and Saul set him over all the men of war and David was returning home from the slaughter of the Philistines say the slaughter Glory to God. That's some good stuff right there. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. All right. And the women, the women had come out of all the cities. Say all. The women had come out of all the cities singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines and joy, with musical instruments. So the women sang and they danced and they said, Saul is slain his thousands and David is tens of thousands. <laughs> Boom, 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 boom. Saul killed his thousands. David killed his tens of thousands. Saul killed his thousands. David killed his tens of thousands. He's the one. He's a king. He's a man. Everywhere. I mean, David comes back, incredible victories, incredible, incredible stories of, of conquering. I mean, David's just wildly crazy anointed. It's amazing what's going on. And now David comes back to town. He, you know, he pushes the button for the elevator in the castle, and there he is, and the elevator music is boom, boom. He's the one, David, he's the one. He's, I mean, everywhere he goes, he goes to the club that night. It's like, David, he's the one, David, he's the one. And then even at the country bar, was, David's the one, David's the one. Hey, he's not just Jesse's son, hey, David's the one. Everywhere, everybody is singing his son, the number one chart, everywhere. David, hey, hey, David. You got to reckon, this is some good stuff. You got to reckon, yes, this is what the anointing does in your life. The anointing breaks through and blesses everything. He then is given the king's daughter as his bride, and he's brought into the royal family. You got to reckon, this is some really, really good stuff. Amen? Woo! Made it. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. 
more than a conqueror. In every circumstance, I am victorious. I'm never the bottom. I'm the top. I'm not the tail. I am the head. Woo! Samuel 18, verse 8. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. So Saul got all grumpy. Saul was like, what's, what's all this cheering for David? I, I'm the king. I'm still the king. And this really displeased him. He, he, he tried to privately, when David was there singing to him, he tried to kill him with a spear. Privately, he went to his daughter's house. Hey, is David nearby? Why, Dad, what's going on? Oh, nothing. And she said, hang on a second. And his daughter goes running over to David. We better grab some stuff. I'm going to let you down a window. Dad's in a bad mood. Saul was trying to kill him. And David's going, what happened here? I mean, I mean, I killed Goliath. Everything was cool. Everybody's singing about me. And now suddenly Saul wants to kill me. What is going on? What's happening? Then it's 1 Samuel 19, verse 1. Then Saul, he, Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all of his servants. He made it an edict of throughout the whole kingdom. I want to find David and I want to kill him. So the whole kingdom is confused now because suddenly we're saying David's the guy. And all of a sudden, Saul's saying, he ain't the guy. I want him dead. I, want, I was quietly trying to deal with him, quietly trying to plot against his life. But then openly, Saul said, I want that guy dead. Pretty massive turn, don't you think? That's where we are in the life of David. So verse, chapter 21, verse 10 to 15 says, Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul, and he went to Achish, the king of Gath. He went to Achish, the king of Gath. David's frustrated. I'm sure he's really confused. I'm sure he's wondering, where's this weird turn in my life? I mean, everything was going so good. Have you ever been there? Everything was going so good. Why this weird turn in my life? I mean, I'm seated with heaven heavenly places, and yet everything's crashing down in my world. This is what happened to David. And he decides in a confused state, he flees and he runs away and he goes to Gath, which is a city of the Philistines, and Gath is where Goliath was born. So David, in a confused state, he runs off to Gath. He's so afraid of Saul, he runs into the enemy's territory and he goes to Gath. And then suddenly, all the people said, you remember that song? Dun, 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 dun. You remember that song about that guy, David? That's what they said. They said, you remember the song that Israel was singing? Because it wasn't just a chart buster in Jerusalem and in Israel. It was a chart buster in the nations. The nations heard about King David. Well, that guy, David, the guy who that song sung about, David, the one who killed our brother Goliath, it's him. He's here. He's here right now. And then David said, this was a bad idea. So then David got creative and it says, David started to scratch the doors of the gates. He started to let his saliva slide down his feet. <laughs> started acting like a crazy person. That's what he did. And then when Akish, they bring him up, he's acting like a madman. Akish said, I don't have enough madmen in, in, in Gath, but I got to have another madman. Get him out of here. David was really smart because in their world, they believed that if you kill a madman, Whatever's making him mad has got to go somewhere. And if you kill a madman, that might get on you. So don't kill a madman. Just get him out of here. So David got really smart right there and said, if I'm going to stay alive, I better act like a nut. Sometimes I feel like a nut. Sometimes I don't. Almond Joy has nuts. Mounds don't. hope I get paid for that. I don't know. So he scratched so, like a madman. Samuel, 1 Samuel 22, 1-4, David therefore departed, and from there he went to the cave of Adullam. Say Adullam. Adullam. 
The root of Adullam is Dalah. He went to the place of Dalah and he slipped in. He slipped in. So when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they went down to him as well. David comes back from Gath and he's just trying to find some place to hide because Saul has got everybody in the whole empire looking for me. Saul wants to kill me. There's no place for me to go. So he went into a cave. And in this area, you can go back in this area in Israel right now and you'll find that there are deep, deep caves throughout this area, deep limestone caves. And you can go and some of these caves would hold over a thousand people or more. And David found a cave. He could go deep inside and he can hide in a wet damp, musty, smelly, stinky, bat-infested area. He just went from the palace, the most beautiful sheets you could imagine, enjoying the best of food, the best of fare. And now David is alone and wet and cold, and he's in the cave of Adullam. What's going on? I mean, I was anointed for something so significant, so powerful. I mean, everything was working out so well. God, what is happening? He went there, and but his brothers... His family joined him. And then it says everyone who was full of the victory of God, everyone who was sloppy rich, and everyone who was so full of courage and strength gathered to him. I mean, you're already in a bad state. Thank God my family came. Thank God I'm not alone anymore. But then, hey, there's some more people coming. How are you guys doing? We're distressed, we're in debt, and we're discontented. Welcome home. Wowzers, life wasn't bad enough. I, I get a whole bunch of people who were worse or messed up or just as screwed up as my world. They gathered to him. So he became captain. He became the leader over them. And there were about 400 men and all of their kids and all of their stuff. And he said to the king of Moab, he said, look, would you take my mom and dad? See, David's grandma, I think his grandma his great-grandma came from Moab. And David took his mom and dad. He said, look, it's pretty messy right now. Mom and dad shouldn't hang with me. Would you do me a favor? And would you guard and protect my mom and dad? And look what he said. Would you do that until I know what God will do for me? I don't know what's going on right now. I'm not sure what's happening in my world. All I know is it's a mess right now, and I'd rather my mom and dad didn't have to travel through this mess with me. Can you guys take care of my parents until I can figure out, God, what is going on? on. So David is in a place of, of just total confusion, total frustration, total disappointment, and gathering around him are a whole bunch of people the same way. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and he went and dwelt all that time in the stronghold. David was in the stronghold. That's what David called the cave of Adullam. He called it the stronghold, the stronghold. David lost everything. He lost his career. He lost his wife. He lost his closest friend. He lost his mentor, Samuel. After he saw Samuel, he never saw him again. And then he lost his personal safety. Everything in his world came crashing down. But let me say this. When you feel down to nothing, God is up to something. I don't know what's going on right now, and I'm not sure how God's going to deal this and work this all out. I'm not sure, but right now, I'm down to nothing. I don't want mom and dad around. Could you take care of them? But right now, I'm down to nothing. But when you're down to nothing, you can know this. God is up to something. Hallelujah. I got a couple of grunts right there. That was good. Adullam. Adullam, it means justice of the people. The root, it's the hiding place. A hold. The Hebrew, dala, means to dangle. He's at the end of his rope and he's hanging on for dear life. He's at the end of his rope. Everything in my world has come crashing down on my head. I got nothing to hang on to. The only people with me are worse off than I am. And here I am at the end of my rope holding on for dear life. Praise the Lord. Are you there? 
Are you in a broken spot? Are you in a place where your, your marriage is falling apart? Your world's falling apart? You can't figure out what's going on with your kids? Your career is in jeopardy? You're frustrated to all get out and nothing seems to go right in your life? I tell you, when you're down to nothing, I'm telling you, God is up to something. It's good stuff. It's, it's an okay place to be. Now, now wouldn't it be great if, if we could read David's journals from this period in his life? Wouldn't it be great if we could go, I wonder what Dave was feeling like when he you know, went to Gath. I wonder what it felt like to have to act like a madman. I wonder what it felt like to, to be stuck in that cave and chased away from Saul and have the person, Saul, who he nailed his heart to, Saul, who he loved as a father, now wants to kill him. I wonder how that made him feel. Because of that, I've started to ask myself in the mornings, how do you feel? I put it on top of my journal. How do you feel? It's kind of weird for me. I'm not a feeler, but I've actually had a hard time answering that question some days. We had a small group the other night. It was a feeling question. It said, creation. How do you feel about that word? How do I feel about creation? I was like, I was stuck. I, don't, I couldn't even figure out a feeling word. I, I said, expectant. I don't know if expectant is an emotion or a feeling, but... I realized, man, I'm not a really good at how do you feel stuff, you know? But, you know, here, I wonder if we could find out how did David feel? What was going on in his inner world? How did he process this intense level of hardship and pain? Who's tracking with me? We got it. It's called the Psalms. David wrote a whole bunch of songs, and there are specific songs that tell us in their title that he wrote this song during this season of his life. So who wants to know what David was thinking? It's right here, Psalm 142, 1-2. said, it's a plea for relief from persecutors, a contemplation of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. Say voice. You got to make a voice. You got to declare with your mouth. How you feeling? I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. Say him. I pour out and I declare before him my trouble. Lift up your voice to God. Let God know how you really feel about the whole mess. Psalm 57, a prayer for safety from your enemies. It says, set it to this song. Do not destroy a miktam, a psalm as precious as stamped gold. This song is one of David's golden hits. This one hit the charts and stayed there for a long, long time. This was one of his greatest hits. And David, when he fled from Saul in the cave, here's what David said. He said, be merciful to me. Oh God, be merciful to me because my soul trust in you another psalm he wrote psalm 22 it starts like this my god my god why have you forsaken me david was brutally honest about how he was feeling all right number one you're ready going to give you three things real quick number one number one when you're in a situation where i know i'm seated with christ in heavenly places but right now i don't feel above it all i feel below it all and i'm really disappointed and frustrated if you've ever been there say amen if you've never been there it's coming in this life you will have tribulations but fear not i have overcome the world amen 
So first thing is, when you get into a circumstance like this, when you're between the anointing and that affirmation, when you're between the anointing and the promise and the appointment of the promise, sometimes there's the space between. And sometimes the space between, it doesn't look all that good. Sometimes in the space between, there's trials and difficulties and testing. And what are you going to do in the space between? First thing you need to do is you need to pour out your heart to God. I mean, pour it out. Give voice to your frustrations. Pour out your heart to your friends, to your co-workers, to your neighbors. Say, hey, hey, come talk to me. My life stinks. No, it doesn't say scream to your neighbors. It says pour out your heart to God. Sometimes you got godly relationships and friends and people who you can you know, process that with and, and confess with, but make sure that what you're doing is pour out your heart to God. David said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? David said, turn to me and have mercy on me for I am alone and I am in deep distress. Have you ever felt alone? Maybe you're here today sitting in this room and you feel absolutely alone. You feel like in your circumstance, nobody understands me. Nobody can help me. I feel like I'm the only one who's suffering like this. I can't believe the pain. I wake up every day and there's pain. There's an ache in my gut that just won't go away. That's when you've got to lift up your heart to God. Because the truth is, you are seated with him in heavenly places. The truth is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The truth is, if God before me, who can be against me? But you know, when that's not in manifestation, sometimes you got to be patient. And sometimes you got to persevere in some difficult times. Psalm 25, 16, turn to me and have mercy on me, for I am alone and in deep distress. Psalm 31, 9 and 10, it says, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes, my body and my soul are withering away. I am dying of grief over here. Psalm 42, 5. You ever gone to the Psalms for encouragement and found that he's more depressed than you are? It's like, Lord have mercy, find me another book. Psalm 42, 5. Why am I so discouraged? And that's when sometimes you got to talk to yourself. You got to say, why? Why? I got to get honest with me. I want to get honest with you, Lord, but I don't understand. Why am I feeling this pain? Why am I walking in such deep discouragement right now? Why is my heart so sad? I will. Put my hope in God. But you know, first thing you got to do is you got to say, hey, I'm feeling kind of rough. To get to where you're going, you have to start where you are. To get, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, if you're feeling sad right now, you're feeling broken right now. Everybody else was happy at worship. I was like, oh God, I feel horrible. They feel his presence. All I feel, my pain is screaming at me. Somebody called and said, hey, how do I get to Impact Church? I said, where are you coming from? Where are you coming from? You can't get to where you're going until you can really understand. And I can't even help a person to get to where they're going if they don't know where they are. And it's okay to turn to God. And it's okay to pour out your heart and say, I'm actually feeling a lot of pressure right now. I'm not getting a lot of comfort right now from the word that says I'm seated with you in heavenly places. I'm not getting a lot of comfort right now from the fact that Samuel came, poured oil on me, and declared over me that I would be the king. Right now, that looks like that will never come to pass. I feel like I'm going to die. My grief is unending. God, where are you? What a great sermon. Eh? Man, what a great sermon. Look at this. Real intimacy demands honesty. How you doing, brother? Great. I'm awesome. 
I'm on top, never below. Hallelujah, glory to God. How you doing, pastor? Well, hallelujah, I'm on top. My marriage is good. My life is good. My family's good. Everything is good, 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 good. Yeah, we had a, a, a counselor come, a marriage counselor come and on a Sunday morning, and Cheryl and I sat on a couch and got some counseling in front of the whole church talked about some of our problems, and the counselor talked to us and gave us some ways that we could resolve that. And I, I just said, you know, sometimes if your marriage is in a bad place, pray about it, but if that doesn't help, get, get some help. And I was willing to say, look, you can get some help. You know what? Well, then I'd have to pay for a counselor. Divorce is really expensive. I mean, a few hundred bucks for somebody to help you and give you some insight. Somebody who's actually trained and does that all the time would know how to give you a couple of ways to help you manage that situation. It's okay to get some help. It's okay to talk to somebody. It's okay to have another person and open up your heart and be brutally honest with that person. Sadly, we don't have intimacy with each other because as husband and wives even, we're afraid to be honest with each other. In churches, we're afraid to be honest with each other. That's why we have small groups. We can all sit and lie to each other. I'm good. You're good. We're good. We're all good. Well, thank God we reinforced our lying culture tonight. You know, if you're going to get to where you're going, the first thing you have to do is acknowledge where you are, and that's okay. As long as, you know, take it to God. Take it to God. I made my complaint known to God. You know, I tell our staff, and when I'm mentoring people, I said, push all your problems up. Up. Don't push them laterally. Don't share your grief with your friends and all those other things, unless it's a really good friend and all that. But you know, I always push my problems up. I got a pastor, and when I'm praying and stuff like that, and I just need somebody who's real that I can put my hands on to talk to, I call my pastor. His name's John Christensen. I call John and say, John, help me. And you know, generally all he says to me is, everything's going to be okay. And that's enough. What God spoke over your life, Carl, he's going to fulfill it. What he began in you, he's going to complete it. He didn't lie to you. He's not, he's not a man that he should lie, Carl. He's still on plan A. He's still on plan number one. Don't you worry about those circumstances. God, who called you, is faithful. He will do it. <laughs> but I tell you, you know what? To get to where you're going, you got to start where you're at. And you know, real, real intimacy, not the phony you know, intimacy, not the playing that a lot of people do. But real intimacy demands honesty. Number two, number two, an open heart is going to gain fresh vision. An open heart's going to gain fresh vision. When you open your heart, when you let that go, when you crack open the stuff, don't let it become settled in you, the disappointment. When you hack away at that, you're going to release that. Your blurry eyes are going to start to see clearly. You're going to get a vision when you open your heart to God going to get a vision. And this is what happened in the Psalms. This is what happened in David's own journaling. Here's what he said. He said, when I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. I began with, oh my God, I feel horrible. But you know, when I feel horrible, I turn to you. And when I turn to you, I'm turning to the one. You alone know the way I should go. And you know, when you acknowledge your pain, acknowledge God, bring him into the situation, you're going to get that vision. You're going to get that clarity that you need because God alone knows the way to go. In Psalm 57, he said to God, who will fulfill his purpose for me he will send help from the heavens and rescue me so he started out with man everything's miserable too but god 
God is at work for me. God is going to do things for me. God knows the way. He is with me. He's going to bring clarity to this. He will fulfill his purpose for me. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? And this was about Psalm 42. He said, the problem is, the problem is when you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Hello? Hello? Sometimes I got myself in a bad narrative. Sometimes I'm saying stuff, and thank God for my wife, who she won't let me camp around there. I say, honey, come into the cave with me. Come on down deep. I'm feeling melancholy. He said, you got a face like a melon and a head like a collie. And it's time to get out of this mess right now. Man, she will not let me. Just hang around there. She says, you can go through there, but you're going through. I'm not taking this another day. Smarten up. Wowzers. Wowzers. You know what? you got to stop listening to yourself. you got to change the narrative because nobody talks to you more than you. And if you're miserable all the time, all you're going to have is miserable, 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 miserable. So you know what? you got to change your language. And you got to start speaking the word of God over your life. Let's go. So you got to start talking some God stuff. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Another translation says, Praise God, I tell myself. Praise God, I tell myself. I'm telling myself. I don't feel real great right now, but you know what I'm going to say to myself? Praise God, I tell myself. And you got to know that God is for you. He's going to work things out. God alone gets to frame my way forward. Not Saul. Not what he's doing. Not his plans. Not all the armies of Israel to chase me. I don't give a rip. They don't get to frame how I feel about my life or what's going on. They don't frame my future or what's coming before me. They don't frame it. God frames my future. Not my enemy. Not my struggles. Not my difficulty. God himself knows the way. God himself will fulfill my purpose for me. Settle down. I know you're excited. All right. He is God most high, and he will fulfill my purpose for me. Listen now. When you process with God, you invite God into the process. Man, that's nice, isn't it? When you process with God, you invite God into the protest. Pro protest. I protest. When you process with God, you invite him into the process. Honestly engage, or honesty engages divine perspective. So we got a, a fresh perspective. Number three, vision results in divine action. It's going to lead to action. That's what happened in these Psalms. In Psalm 57, I love this Psalm. He's suddenly speaking to himself. He says, wake up, my heart, wake up. Wake up, O lyre and harp. He said, I will. Look at I will. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank the Lord among all the people. I will praise him among the nations. May your glory shine over all the earth. I mean, David goes from a miserable state to declaring a fresh encounter with God, declaring that God is the one who frames my future. And then all of a sudden, he, instead of saying, God will, God will, he goes to, I will, I will, I will. I'm not even going to wait for the sun to come up. I'm going to cause the sun to rise. I'm going to command the sun to arise. I'm going to command the circumstances in my life to change right now. I call forth the dawn. I am going to sing to the nations. I am going to see that the glory of God fills the whole earth. Man. And you know where David is? He's still in the cave. He's still 
in the cave. May your glory shine over all the earth. Psalm 57, 7, my heart, O God, is quiet and confident. Now I can sing, sing with passion your wonderful praise. My heart is fixed, the King James, my heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I did a whole four-point sermon four-part sermon on this psalm back in the pandemic back when we were living in the cave in the pandemic you know how you deal with caves preach the whole four-part series on this this psalm my heart is fixed oh god my heart is fixed my heart is fixed oh god my heart is fixed you know you got to be established you got to persevere you got to dig deep and you got to trust that god will not fail you no matter what you see or what the circumstances are you got to dig deep and you got to fix yourself with the confession that i am going to call forth god's purposes in my life and i am fixed i am ready i am steadfast i am going to call forth i'm ready right now to call forth the dawn i'm ready right now to call forth the glory of god i'm ready right now to see a healing revival Bible explode in this area that'll usher in the glory of God, the kingdom of God, and obliterate every obstacle to God being God in our city, in our province, in our nation. I'm ready to command the dawn to come forth. I'm going to sing to the purposes of God. I'm not going to wait for them. I'm going to call them into manifestation. God, let your glory fill all the earth. See, and that's what David was doing. And in, in Romans chapter 15, these verses are quoted by Paul. And he's saying this is what David was singing about when he said the nations will hear the good news of the glory of God. So that song that David wrote in a cave, that song, that confession that he had in the worst experience of his life, that song he prophesied and in that dark place he was calling forth he was declaring to the heavenly realms come forth eternal purpose of God come forth glory of God and David in his generation was partnering with God's purpose for eternity and calling into expression the purpose of God in his day you're not just some little peon some little thing that's you know existing every day through life you are a child of God created on purpose placed here on purpose with great purpose to call in to expression and manifestation God's purposes for today you're not just carelessly hanging around with each other trying to cope with life you are the sons and daughters of Almighty God and all of creation is groaning for a manifestation of you to call forth God's eternal purpose today to bring into expression his heart and his mind for the world kind of heady stuff, eh? kind of out there. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Babe Ruth, turn a hard corner, you ready? Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth said it's hard to beat a person who never gives up. Babe Ruth was the, he's the guy who, Yankee Stadium, it's called, it's called the house that Ruth built because he just wouldn't quit. He struck out more than anybody else, you know that? But he hit more home runs than anybody else too. It's hard to beat a person who won't give up. Ludwig van Beethoven, he wrote the Ninth Symphony in Ode to Joy. Ode to Joy was in the Ninth Symphony. Anyway, what is Ode to Joy? I keep losing it. Story. A lot of bapas in there, right? How many, does that sound familiar to anybody? Sounds familiar to a lot of people. I mean, it's the Ode to Joy, it's in his Ninth Symphony. Do you know what, he wrote that when he was stone deaf. 
He lost his hearing. He was a young prodigy. At five years old, he wrote his, his first music pieces. It was amazing. But he was stone deaf by the time he wrote that Ninth Symphony. Such an incredible symphony. He took a piano and cut the legs off it and put the piano flat on the ground. And he laid on the ground with the piano. And he wrote the whole symphony on the ground, totally deaf, just by feel. Just, he felt the notes. He felt it. He conducted the symphony with his back to a crowd. And he had no idea that he had five standing ovations when he conducted that symphony. But he didn't hear a thing with his ears but he felt it inside but he had to turn around to see that the place was erupting away what a crazy symphony it's amazing but here's what he said here's what he said i will seize fate by the throat i love that i will seize fate by the throat it shall never wholly overcome me we're here today we got karen with her daughter who's been over a year in a state like that and she says, I'm going to find a way, Pastor, to get permission to get her out of here and get her into the presence of God. I am going to seize healing by the throat. I'm going to seize a breakthrough for my daughter by the throat. <laughs> I'm telling you, we want to seize our destiny by the throat. As an impact community, as impact people, we don't want to wait for the dawn. We want to call it into expression. We don't want to wait for revival. We want to manifest revival right now. I'm not waiting for revival. I am a living, walking, breathing revival. You want one? I'm having one every day. Just hang around. We think we're waiting for a move of God. God says, I'm done. It's your turn. Knock yourself out. Let's get to it. Are you all still here? Acts 20, 22 to 24. It says, and see now I go bound. Wow. I go bound in the spirit of Jerusalem, knowing not the things that will happen to me, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every sitting, saying there's chains and tribulations and difficulties. Oops, I went the wrong way. Don't go the wrong way. I love that. But he says, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. None of these things move me. Last verse, and we're going to get done. Because my goodness. We did a bit of stuff today, didn't we? Who knew it was, it's almost 12 o'clock. Isn't that ridiculous? Amen. All right, James 1, 3 to 4 from the message says, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open. You know, when you're under pressure, it doesn't, it doesn't make you gain faith. It exposes the faith you have. Like troubles don't cause faith. Troubles expose, do you got any? It says it brings your faith life, it forces it in open, it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. So you know what? David, his cave became preparation for the king. And so whatever difficulty, or if you ever find yourself where it seems this is a total contrast from what I'm expecting, this is... This is totally antithetical to what I believe. It says I'm seated with him in heavenly places, but I'm going through stuff. You know what? Go through it. Go through it with faith. Go through it with patience. Go through it and endure. Go through it by give it to God. Let him speak to you and then awaken the dawn with your faith because you are called to be victorious and powerful and majestic. And Impact Church, we're called to something ridiculously significant. Right now, right here, it is due season. And it's time for your stories, your testimonies, the things God's got in your life to go viral and to see people set free and people come to the knowledge of his saving grace. Come on. Come on.